Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair, and I get a lot of amazing guests on Vitality Radio, especially over the last year or so. I have landed some people that I've just been super excited to introduce to you if you didn't already know who they were prior. Today is one of those days that I get to introduce to you some introduce to you someone who I just recently met and have become quite a fan of, although before I ever knew who she was, I was already a fan of this uh, person who was seemed like a ghost kind of behind the scenes. So I'm going to read uh, to you uh, her bio really quick, and then I'll introduce her to you. Her name is Liz Wilner. She is a graphic designer and a web developer of almost 30 years. She has a husband and two mostly grown daughters and a small brown dog. She was injured by a flu vaccination in her 30s, and her daughter was injured by a chicken pox vaccine at age nine. After this second vaccine injury, Liz started researching vaccine injury. This led her to the VAERS Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, uh, which uh, is run by the HHS and CDC. She was appalled by its outdated interface and lack of usability, and she downloaded her first data set with the intention of creating a browser for herself. Friends wanted to use it, so she uploaded it, and the first version of what is now called OpenVAERS is uh, .com was born. So there's the short bio. Liz, we met at Your Health Freedom, a symposium that happens every year here in Utah in the fall, and since have become friends, texting back and forth from time to time. And I wanted to introduce you to my audience because for several years now, I've been sending them to your website, openbears.com, to do their own research on vaccine injury, especially during all of the craziness that was COVID. And yet I had no idea who was behind this website. And then, of course, we got to meet in October uh, here in Utah at the uh, symposium. And at that point at dinner, I asked you if you would please do this show. It's taken a minute to get us get it together, but here we are. And I'm so excited to introduce my listeners to you and your work. So thank you for joining me on Vitality Radio. Oh, I'm so honored to be here. And before we get into anything, I just wanted to wish you congratulations on your wedding oh, and you. on your grandchild. So, yeah. Grandchildren. Grandchildren. Yes, Excuse me, but yes. you just had one recently. So, <laughs> well, yeah. Newest, had on the newest grandchild. Two in the last 12 weeks. Wow. Uh, which is crazy. Both of my first two grandbabies from my kids. And then, of course, when I. Married Jen, I inherited two of hers. So we're up to four grandbabies amazing. just like that. Yeah, That's awesome. It's, it's an amazing, amazing thing. We're having so much fun with them. So thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so, of course, like I said, and this is kind of an interesting thing, Open Bears became, well, first off, what was the year that you first launched Open Bears? 20, right on the 2019, right, well, before it was named Open Bears and it was launched on its own uh, URL, it was up. And that was on tw in 2019, about. Okay. And then um, from there, 
it migrated slowly into open airs. So it really was just in time for the pandemic and all yeah. the craziness. That but it was seen. before. It yeah, was okay. before. I actually, uh, I had attended VI, uh, the vaccine injury event that was put on by um, Del Big Tree and Children's Health Friends. I don't know. And um, I was kind of inspired to... Um, to do something. And I had already put this thing up for people who knew about it to see. And that kind of inspired me to move it over gotcha. into, into a public, right. a more public thing. Right. And it's, it is interesting to me that you say, you know, you did it prior to COVID. And of course, you know, none of us saw COVID coming in 2019 until we started hearing these little <clears throat> rumblings, uh, yeah. you know, right before everything went crazy in March and April. Um, but the timing is incredible uh, because at that point, boy, did we need your system and your website yeah. available. And without knowing who you were, just working through uh, the various uh, avenues where I gain information to present on this show, I saw Open Bears cited all over the place. And mm -hmm. it was such a valuable tool uh, for people that were looking for more of the truth about you know what was going on with, with the COVID vaccine specifically. So then... The question I have, I guess, is, you know, you had it launched at that point. Um, the, the vaccine rollout, of course, was, you know, a year or so after that. And then those numbers specific to vaccine injury from the COVID vaccines just skyrocketed like yeah. nothing we've ever seen before. Uh, I guess the first thing is for people who aren't familiar with openvares.com, uh, tell us a little bit about what it is and maybe what VARES is, we should probably get that out of the way first, and then we'll go back to sort of the okay. history of it after that. So VARES is the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System that is managed jointly by the CDC and the FDA, not FDA, sorry, HHS. Uh, HHS. And um, I get a little nervous when I'm doing this kind of thing. <laughs> and, um, and so they have a system uh, called Wonder. And... Through Wonder, there's like an interface and you can make queries on the data. And um, where I went there after the injury of my child and myself, um, I was really like taken aback, essentially, by the like how bad it was and how antiquated it was, how difficult it was to use. And I was a programmer, um, like all the things that it should be, it wasn't, essentially. Um, and it was very different than any other system of reporting, like the yellow card system or um, the who's system. None of these systems, these systems all aggregated for people. Um, but the VAIR system, you have to create those aggregations for yourself, those summations of categories or anything you're looking for. And while that's a really good thing, like the flexibility, the ability to have this raw data is incredible. Um it meant that people who didn't understand how to use it couldn't use it and couldn't use it correctly. So they would come up, you know, they'd make memes of things that were like greater than a hundred percent result because they mm -hmm. didn't understand how to create what data they needed off of the VAERS system. Um, so I saw it, I had been looking up uh, vaccine injury around my daughter, like, you know, chicken pox, pans, pandas, trying to find out like if other people had this problem, like, you know, this was after five years of um, recovering my daughter. Um, and at the end of that time, I was like, I'm going to go look 
you know, I have enough bandwidth to figure out like, did other people have this happen to them? And then I went there and I couldn't figure it out. Like I couldn't use the system, but I saw that they had data, raw data that I could download. So I did that. And then I was like, oh, it'd be really nice if I could just browse through the data. <laughs> so I mm-hmm. built a little browser <laughs> and that's kind of how Open Bear started is um, I built a little browser and then I was on a Facebook group with a bunch of women, lovely, amazing women who all had children who had been vaccine injured um, and had pans pandas. And okay. um, so they, I told them, oh, I built this thing and they wanted to see it. So I uploaded it to like uh, not the URL open theirs and just the browser. And um, so shared that with a few people, not very many. And that's where it sat until the vaccine was going to come. And then I decided, you know, other people should have access to this too. uh, And I created open theirs. Gotcha. Okay. And so with, first off, clearly the right person uh, looking at this stuff at the right time because you had the ability. I've never used VARES either because I don't know how to make anything out of that. And I can't code to save my life. So, you know, I I would have been the the wrong guy to try and bring this to light. You clearly knew what you were doing and were able to do it. And what you've developed is an incredibly simple and easy to use interface that anybody that knows nothing about computers but can use a web browser can look at and see the score, essentially, of what's right. happening with these injuries. So I do encourage anybody listening that's never looked at openbears.com, please go check it out. We'll have a link to it in the show description for you um, because it is quite an eye-opening experience uh, when you get in there and start looking through the data, which is all data coming directly from the HHS and the CDC. There's, there's nothing uh, original to Liz is just stuff she's grabbed from them and made it accessible to you. Yeah. So basically I take a bunch of spreadsheets and turn them into a database and, um, and then there's templates that pull the information from it. Uh, I now have an engineer who helps me with that. I didn't at the beginning and, uh, and he's amazing. Um, and, uh, I was going to say something else about that. Oh, that one of the features of OpenVAERS that many people don't know about is you can actually search it um, with a much more simplified search than you get on Wonder. And so it's much easier to, to use the search engine and find what you want to find in a very rapid manner. Yeah, and I can tell you from personal experience, it's very easy to use. And uh, so if you're curious about this, I definitely encourage you to check it out. So the, the question I have then, I've got a, a, a several questions I want to ask you. First is, uh, how did you discover that your daughter had been injured? Oh, boy. <laughs> That's not short. Um, <laughs> when my daughter was entering fourth grade, she started having uh, rage and she lost. At, she was reading at age three. Um, she's super bright. Um, she developed rage. She started, she stopped reading entirely. She, um, she couldn't understand things well. And uh, like, I kept thinking to myself at times, like she, she seems autistic, like, like the way in which her brain was functioning, the way in which she would interact with us, except she was never autistic. She was a perfectly normal kid. 
Um, and uh, I'm, it was very like sort of sudden that this happened. Um, and we lived like that for quite a long time, like a year, seeing a therapist, trying to figure out what was going on. The therapist basically said at some point, there's nothing more I can do. Um, as, as my daughter kept getting worse and worse. Um, and she slowly started developing like every mental health acronym you can name. She started accruing, um, you know, OCD, uh, ODD, um, ADHD, mm-hmm. <laughs> anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder. Um, I don't know. You could name them off and all of a sudden she developed them. Um, and she got worse and worse and somebody online, no, first what happened was we saw a psychiatrist. She prescribed some medication, which made it much worse. And I got really desperate and I started calling people like off the internet at random, trying to find somebody to figure out what was going on with my kid. And finally I called a functional nutritionist. And I told her the story and she called me back, which nobody else would call me back. And she called me back and she said, you know, look up Pans Pandas and, and then return my call. And I did. And I was like, oh my God, this is my kid. This is exactly like our story. So I called her back. She started treating my daughter. My daughter started getting a little bit better, a little bit better. I joined a bunch of Facebook groups for Pans Pandas and I still had no idea that it was the vaccine that caused it. And um, then on one of the groups, somebody recommended a functional medicine doctor and I went to him and he did a bunch of testing. And from her testing and her history, he was like, this was caused by the chickenpox vaccine. And he walked me through the science of why and how we knew that. And then I told my husband and my husband, who's a scientist, said, like, I don't understand. And we had to do the whole appointment again for my husband. And then, okay. and then both of us were like, oh, my God. And that's what sort of one thing led to another and figured it out. Um, once that happened, I looked back at my own health history. And I had an episode of pericarditis and pericardial effusion in my 30s that came out of nowhere. And then I was like, Oh, it didn't come out of nowhere. And that the day I was in the hospital with that, I looked up at the doctors and I said something like stupidly, I didn't know I was walking into a can of worms. I didn't know anything about the vaccine conversation in any way. I grew up in a very medical oriented family. And I said, I got a flu vaccine two days ago. Could this have been what caused this? Because I was fine. Like, I was fine. <laughs> and, and every doctor standing around my bed who couldn't figure out why I had pericarditis shook their head. No, it wasn't that. Mm-hmm. And I believed them and I moved on. Right. Um, so that, that's my shortened version of what happened with us. Yeah. So, well, that's, and I think the detail that you gave is important because I, based on the many, many parents now that I've talked to who've discovered injuries in their children, um, it often is that type of a road, you know, suddenly things aren't quite right. They're not like they used to be. In some cases it's severe, some cases it's more mild, uh, but something shifted and it's usually dramatic enough that it's pretty obvious, but they don't, 
necessarily tie it back to a vaccination simply because over and over and over and over again, we've been told they're safe and effective. And if they do ask their medical advisor, they are also going to trumpet the same thing. Yeah. And unless you get in touch with, you know, maybe a functional alternative type doc, exactly. like, of course, you folks did. We got very so, lucky. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and yet, obviously... At that point, you know, the quote unquote, the damage is done. So then people that are wondering, we might bounce around here a little bit. I'm just going to kind of go with the flow here. But people that are wondering what the heck is Pans Pandas? Because I'm guessing the majority of the people listening have not heard of that or, or at least aren't familiar with much about it. Right. So Pans and Pandas, and I'm really bad with acronyms. So I, I forget exactly. Pediatric, autoimmune, neurological, just strep, something like that. Um, you yeah, I can I can actually read it off for you if you yeah, like. Yeah, read it off for me. Pediatric acute onset neuropsychiatric syndrome. Basically, it's another acronym for uh, neuroinflammation, neuroencephalopathy. Okay. And um, their brains become very inflamed. Um, there's a book and a movie, I think, like Brain on Fire or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, what happens when the brain gets inflamed is it um, they start regressing, essentially. And parts of their brains just no longer do what they used to be able to do or um, uh, they can't control their rage. They have rage because they're inflamed, like um, they suffer from acute anxiety. Um, Some have uh, issues with like drawing a clock, like one of the tests to see if your kid has neuroinflammation is you ask them to draw an analog clock and they tend, the ones that are ill tend to draw all the numbers in one quadrant of the clock. Like they can't visualize the entire clock and put that down on paper properly. My daughter, um, as I said, she experienced extreme rage and um, the inability to think flexibly and have like a conversation. Um, All of it relates to the way that neurotransmitters are being manufactured and either um, created or broken down within the brain. Um, The reason that pandas, it's called pans pandas as opposed to just pandas or just pans is because pandas was described first and it was described as a reaction to strep infection. Mm -hmm. And um, by this Dr. Sue Sueto. Um, And she's credited for discovering pandas, but I, after doing a lot of research and reading, think actually what occurred is she rediscovered something that was known in the past that occurred due to extreme toxicity in a human. Um, Mm. And like Matt as a hatter is a good example of that, right? Like they used to use mercury to felt these hats and they would go crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is um, a lot of documentation around toxicity, madness, 
and now it's called Pandas. And um, her contribution is that it was being triggered by strep. But what, what she was saying was it, it was caused by strep. And in my opinion, and I'm not a medical doctor and I'm not a scientist, done a lot of reading, and um, strep is a trigger. Infections are a trigger, not a cause. Because the entire world gets exposed to strep and various infections without developing neuroinflammation and right. without becoming, you know, rage-filled and, and so incredibly ill. And, um, but many of the doctors who treat pandas tacitly admit that vaccination can cause it. Um, it's like an open secret. But nevertheless, they don't talk about the root causes for pandas. They treat the symptom, which is being triggered by an infection. And so, and they continue to endorse vaccination in their population of sick children. And the excuse they give is, well, the flare, they call them flares when your kid reacts to something. Um, the flare will be worse if they get a natural infection as opposed to the vaccination. I mean, it, it's, 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 it's literally the definition of insanity. I mean, it's insanity what they're yeah. doing. And um, like Stanford has a big clinic for pans pandas, which luckily we were not accepted at, um, which was a bureaucratic issue, not a diagnosis issue. And the person, they know. They know the vaccines cause this problem, but they insist that their patient population get vaccinated. Yeah, it's which, which is crazy. Is there a specific vaccine or vaccines that are more known uh, as uh, causes of PANS? So in our, so what happened was I met this group of women on these PANDAS forums mm -hmm. and every time one of us would bring up the fact that pandas was caused our, our child's pandas was caused by a vaccine. We'd get kicked out of the group. Like everything, every single of one of us would be kicked out of the group. You cannot bring it up in these groups. And so, and these groups are like groundhog day for us now, right? Because every time somebody brings it up, they get kicked out. No one can discuss it. Um, unless you're there to say, Oh no, my kid's vaccinated and they're fine. Anyways, we formed our own group. And um, what it seemed like from these conversations was uh, flu mist was a big culprit because, uh, and there is a paper on this, but not on the flu mist particularly, but on the mechanisms of pans and having to do with um, where the back of your sinus basically meets your brainstem. Okay. And there's a very thin layer there. And so when you're flu misting, it's all, and there's, um, there's uh, ingredients in the flu mist that break down lipids, basically, and allow mm. things to cross the blood-brain barrier. So you shoot this up through the nose, it hits the back of the child's sinus cavity, and then things break down, or they're already broken down from other vaccines, and mm -hmm. up it goes straight into the brain. So there's that. Um, my kid was... Uh, chicken pox. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's necessarily like beyond that one in particular. It seemed like they were all over the board. Okay. And so for, 
at this point, you you discover that there's obviously something wrong. You get the research uh, that your doctor has done, and he walks you through the the uh, you know mechanism of how this all happens. Yeah. And then what? I mean, there you are. You've got a child who's injured. What do you do now? Okay. Well, the first thing I did was try to join the Stanford group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the best thing in my life that ever happened was that Stanford said no. And they said no because we hadn't had the same insurance for three years in a row. That's okay. why they said no. Anyways, the Stanford group is a research group. So if you join the Stanford group, you have to do their treatment methods. Right. And you have to do their vaccination. And you have to do all that. So um, I signed up with a doctor like kind of far from us, but there was nobody close by. And it was like a year waiting list. That's how sick everybody is. <laughs> and um, in the meantime, I'm like, I can't not do anything. How can I? We're living in a war zone. We're, we're living in a war zone. There are holes in our walls there. I mean, mm-hmm. and you can't just sit for a year waiting to see a doctor. So I started doing my own research. I started um, seeing this functional doctor, the nutritionist, and then I added a pediatrician who was also a homeopath. Um, and so for that year, I used those three doctors with me sort of managing everybody. She didn't have mm-hmm. like one manager of her care. By the time the year was up, she was doing significantly better. And the person I went to see basically said, just keep doing what you're doing. Obviously, you're doing something right. So that's what we did. Um, And it took five years. And it took a lot of, like, on-the-ball shifting of um, techniques, things she was taking. You You can't. It's a really complicated, multifaceted disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing doesn't cure it. Right. Um, you have to kind of keep shifting. You did this for a while. It doesn't seem to be working so well anymore. Now I'm going to shift to this. Now I'm going to shift to this, shift to this. Um, you have to, um, the testing is super important to know. Okay. So I'm going to go back for a second. The way Western medicine and allopathy treats pans pandas is by um, basically giving the child long-term doses of antibiotics to prevent strep, Um, which is horrible because Mm -hmm. pan starts in the gut, if nowhere else. And so um, they do that, and then they move on from there to IVIG and rituximab and um, it just gets worse and worse from there. Many of the children are on antipsychotics, antidepressants, you know, ADHD medication. I mean, you're talking about polypharmacy on a level you can't imagine. Everybody who treats pandas, whether they're treating it as uh, with allopathy or whether they're treating it um, with natural means, have a closet full of supplements. Or, right. and, and drugs. It's just a question right. of what you're giving your child. Mm-hmm. So um, where was I going? I lost track. 
Where was I? <laughs> well, the, the question was um, basically, you know, once you're there and right. you've got this diagnosis, oh, what, do you, what do, do you do? Yeah. So and, you, you do this thing where, and you're constantly researching because there's, if you're not using allopathy and they're not deciding what you're doing for yourself, you have to figure out how to treat this thing. I, right. I would say that if you haven't done antibiotics, you're an incredibly good candidate for homeopathy. Even if you have done antibiotics, you're still a good candidate for homeopathy. Homeopathy seems to address um, things that no one else, nothing else can touch, like vaccine injury, because you can clear through vaccines using homeopathy to do it if you find the right homeopath. That's really important because these things, while while chickenpox, the chickenpox vaccine broke my kid. She had had every other, almost every other vaccine, not on schedule. I had delayed, like I had, you know, spread things out because it just seemed Mm -hmm. like too much at one time. Not because I was, I did any research at all. Like I was very ignorant on the topic. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so it's like the thing that broke your kid is the straw that broke the camel's back. It, it didn't just happen. Right. So my my daughter, you know, was born. Um, they said she had group. What is it? A or B strep. And so mm-hmm. she was on IV antibiotics for two days just in case, you know, she had it, which she didn't. That broke her gut system. Right. Like right. I didn't I didn't do anything about that. And then I. I had, we had a good diet, but it wasn't fabulous. And like, Mm -hmm. like I didn't do anything right. I I didn't do anything super wrong, but I I definitely was sort of floating from one thing to the next. I wasn't really, um, I didn't, I didn't make it as important as it should have been when she was younger. All these things make a difference. So I think I sent you at some point or Jen, the, the Venn diagram I did of pandas, um, and I built it for parents because um, it's basically you have one circle, which is exposures. You have one circle, which is toxins. And you have one circle that's genetics and the and the terrain. Mm-hmm. All those three things come together to make pandas. And you can't treat it without addressing all three pieces. Right. So when you look at antibody testing to see where your kids antibodies are that's a clue as to what what outsized infections are causing problems and and the way i treated those was herbally so zoe's my daughter's outsized infection was uh to varicella and it was something like five times higher than the upper range for the test. And um, so I started using time to address the varicella. And that two weeks after I started doing that, we had a huge shift again. So the time was super important to her recovery. Like how would I have ever have known I needed to do that without the testing? And then, you know, you're not trying to kill these things off you're trying to the body as the functional medicine doctor explained it to us was basically her body was continually making antibodies to an infection she didn't have 
Right. And that that was slowly depleting her ability to do to make antibodies for anything else and to produce an immune a proper immune response when she needed to. Okay. So it was important to get her body to see and stop because of this vaccine making these antibodies essentially. And once that could happen, her immune system could start taking care of the things it needed to take care of. Okay. Sorry, that was a very long-winded answer. No, that's okay. Well, I mean, you've but, been through a tremendous amount with her and, and a ton of trial and error and everything. It, we, you know, we talked about this in some detail uh, when we first met back in October. So I understand. And, and we didn't have a, a specific agenda on this episode as much as just to tell, <laughs> tell the story of, of, you know, kind of what happened to your daughter and also, you know, how this open VAERS thing came about. So then... If there are people listening that are, well, first, actually, really one quick question. How would you say that, what would you say the difference is then? Because initially you thought, well, maybe there's some autism there. There's a lot of, uh, you know, research indicating that autism and vac or vaccines and autism have a link. What's the difference then between autism and pans pandas? I, th I think they're two sides of the exact same coin. They both originate in the gut and the brain and neuroinflammation. And then from there, I don't, I don't understand why one goes one way and one goes the other. And, but it's clear that there's injury occurring in different places, maybe in different places in the brain, but they seem to have this, you know, two sides of the same coin. Interesting. Yeah, I, I wondered if, if you might say something like that. I don't have an opinion on that. I'm really you're educating me more on pans pandas than uh, than I've ever been educated on it before. I know a fair amount about autism, but and that's why I asked the question is because yeah. there certainly are some similarities here. There right? are a lot of children with pans pandas who are misdiagnosed as autistic. Just okay. like that. That's how closely related they are. Yeah. And there are many autistic children who are truly autistic who also have pans pandas, like they have the entire range. Um, to me, both things, both, both, uh, la they're labels though, right? They're all just labels for broken immune system, neuroinflammation and toxicity. Mm -hmm. um, and this is the problem with labels, right? Is that we lose sight of the fact that the label isn't, the illness, the label isn't the damage. The label is like a way to put it into a box and make it easy. Um, and it kind of, yeah, it irritates me. <laughs> yeah. It's essentially a box of symptoms, right? Yeah. And, and of course it's different for every child. Exactly. Uh, Cause sure. the terrain always, changes, right. For right. every child. Well, I mean, genetics are different yeah. and all of the, you know, I love what you said about the straw breaking the camel's back because I do believe to a very large degree when people have this debate about, well, you know, my kid's been vaccinated and he doesn't have a problem. And the other parent says, well, my kid was vaccinated and he does. Well, what's the difference? Uh, right. Same vaccine, different terrain, different genetics, different exactly. uh, load of toxicity from other areas. One so thing I did notice, to think about. one thing I did notice in the pandas groups was that there was a high, high number of military families a high number of families that had history of farming. I do believe that there is a role. Um, there is a like an inherited toxicity role going on as well um, for mm -hmm. these kids. So I don't think all pans pandas is caused by vaccines. I think all pans pandas is caused by toxicity. 
and then vaccines are an accelerant, I guess, or like you said, the potential yeah. straw breaking the camel's back, but there's already a yeah. lot of stuff built up prior to that. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense to me for sure. So then for parents listening that say, oh, this kind of sounds familiar, or yeah. you know, they've experienced some similar type things with their child, maybe more mild, maybe just as severe or whatever, uh, what would you recommend that they do to try and figure out what's going on? Find a functional medicine doctor and then a homeopath. Like, okay. I, I, I would never, I would, I, I think going to a Western medicine doctor for this is a mistake. Um, I think that if you want a healthy child at some point who's not on medication, which mine is not, and um, you, you have no hope of doing that with an allopath. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't think allopathy is all bad, but in this particular case, they broke it, they can't fix it. Right. Well, and that's a, you know, it's an interesting thing because I work with a lot of people now who were injured specifically by the COVID vaccines um, and, you know, do a whole podcast on that called Dearly Discarded. Right. And that um, that group of people, unfortunately, what ends up happening in this in this situation is they get injured. They know they've been injured and what injured them. And yet, in many cases, their only or, or what they believe their only hope is, is to go back to Western medicine to try and yeah. fix the problem that Western medicine caused. And I get it because there's a tremendous amount of desperation. Yeah. There's a tremendous amount of pain and discomfort and uh, everything else that goes along with these severe injuries. Uh, but we do have to recognize too, I think that there is absolutely a place and a role for natural medicine uh, in recovering from these things. I think it cannot be overstressed enough. I don't, I don't think you can do it without it. Personally. Yeah, I agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And, and and I don't necessarily believe that there's not some uh, benefit to some of the things that people do medically. You mentioned IVIG as a perfect I think example. IVIG in, has a role for some people. Some people yeah. are that sick. And for some people, it can really change, be the difference between life mm -hmm. and death. Um, my problem with IVIG is that it has become the go-to for not just people who are, it's the same problem that they have with steroids, um, right? There are people who it is a matter of life and death and need IVIG to get past that hump. Then there are other people um, who, ulcerative colitis, right? Like I know a kid who's grew up with one of my friends, you know, one of my kids and IVIG, she's on IVIG monthly, right? Yeah. Like, they could change their diet. They could use various forms of natural medicine and that kid would be fine. Instead, that kid is not fine and on IVIG monthly. And what happens when the IVIG stops working? Um, because it can. Um, and then they, I'm also worried about the IVIG because it's blood products. And at the moment, blood products are suspect. I mean, I think yeah. blood pro products are always suspect, but like... Right. Now it's more. Yeah. Well, and there, it's such a it's such a challenging position to be in because you're you're looking you know if you're looking at medicine, uh, modern medicine, allopathic medicine for the answers. The first thing is they're going to typically deny that you know this the vaccine could even potentially be a cause. Right. So that that's a struggle all by itself. But then on the natural side, nobody's funding 
you know, massive research on these things and trying to figure out how to fix it with nature. So you, you do have to go to a large extent with um, anecdotal evidence, yeah. uh, people like yourself saying this is what we did and it worked for her. Yeah. Uh, and so people are in a challenging position with this for sure. The biggest thing that I think, I, I at least that I hope we get across in this episode of Vitality Radio is, I guess there's a couple of things. One, that we do need to, especially as parents, uh, we need to look at every intervention that we're considering for our child very, very closely before we, you know, do that thing, whatever that right. thing is, whether it's a surgery, a prescription drug, a vaccination, whatever it is, if it's something that can't be taken back, yeah. we need to look at it and say, okay, is this safe for my child, regardless of what any friend or family member or doctor tells us is safe. It behooves us to do our own research. There is, in in every aspect of this uh, arena, there are people who are more motivated by money than they are by yeah. helping the patient, including in natural medicine. So we have to make sure that we're vetting those people as well, right. uh, your functional medicine doctor or whatever else. So that would be part one. And, and that's one reason why I think what you did with Open Vares is so powerful is because people have an avenue they can look at to specifically determine, you know, what really is the rate uh, or at least what is the reported rate of injury uh, and, you know, is, is this a, a risk that I'm willing to take? Yeah. Particularly with the COVID injuries, because when you look at that, it's astronomical. But then we look at even other vaccines, there there is a there is a long history of concern for sure. Yeah. Um, so all true. So um, let's talk about. Oh, sorry. If you want. No, to no. Finish. Go ahead. Okay. Let's talk a little bit. Back, go back to bears for just a minute. And let's talk about this. So there was a study done um, about you know how many reports are actually made to VAERS, what percentage of vaccine injury cases actually make it to VAERS. There's been a lot of concern that many of the injuries that have been reported with the COVID vaccine uh, have not shown up uh, right. on VAERS. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Okay, so <laughs> there's a lot. Um, I guess the first place, is, the first thing to know is that the VAERS we see is not VAERS. Um, the VAERS we see is a doctored set of books. And the CDC every week, or now every month, outputs from their database to wonder a doctored set of books for us to pretend is VAERS. Okay? That's super important to know because when people make reports and they say they don't show up in VAERS, it doesn't mean they're not in theirs, it means they're not showing up in the public record. Okay. okay. Um, that said, that's really a problem <laughs> that they don't give us real data. We play with the data as if it's real and then make pronouncements and we're playing with doctors out of books. Um, then, right, there's the problem that Yes, people are making reports and they make it into VAERS two years later, our, our version, right? Okay. They're, they're, people are making reports, they never make it into VAERS. People make reports, if there's two reports made or three reports made, the least, um, the least serious report 
becomes the report that's in VAERS and the other two eventually get deleted. So mm. Gregory Michael was a doctor in Florida. He's the example I always use. Um, he got the vaccine in the first weeks. He developed thrombocytopenia, TTP, um, out of nowhere. His entire team, he had people flown in from across the country because he was a doctor. His entire team said, it's the vaccine. And they made a report to VAERS. And he died two weeks later. And his VAERS record does not report that he died. His oh, wow. VAERS record reports that he had TTP. When his widow tried to get them to alter his report, nothing happened. And on their website, at some point during um, COVID, they changed and they put um, a bigger notice on it. It was always in the fine print that um, they reserved the right to not update reports. So as a programmer, I was thinking like, okay, theirs was built 30 years ago. They probably updated their machinery a few times. It's really bad. Maybe they're having a really hard time integrating updated reports into their system to export them, right? But a year and a half ago, maybe, something like that, they contracted with General Dynamics IT division to upgrade theirs. And they put a whole contract together, which is available online. And in the contract, it specifically spells out that updates will still not be added to the original reports. Like it spells out that the VAERS people want it that way. Right. So no, it was a deliberate choice. It's a deliberate choice to obfuscate deaths, essentially. Um, hmm. Because any severe outcome gets reported to VAERS. So what's a more severe outcome? It's usually death. Right. Um, so, okay, so you take all that together. And then you take this Harvard Pilgrim study, which, was, uh, which I think is what you're alluding to. Yeah. And the Harvard Pilgrim study basically was, um, it wasn't run by Harvard. It was um, a study at the Harvard Pilgrim Medical Group back east. And right. in it, they went to, the CDC gave them money, like a million dollars or something, to implement a system to make it easier for reporting to occur. And what the system did was it basically... Um, when a doctor would go in to put notes into, into the patient's record, they would get alerted if that patient had been vaccinated within, I, I don't remember exactly what the time period was they used, and they would alert the doctor that they should make a report to VAERS. So it wasn't um, automatically assigning a report. It was just giving them a reminder, do this. And they okay. did. And they found that, between something like one and 10% get reported. Um, when COVID started, a number of different people kind of tried to figure out, well, what is the under, we call that like an underreporting factor. Like how far right. is it underreported? A number of people tried to figure out like, well, what's the underreporting factor, including like Steve Kirsch and Jessica Rose. And they came up with like, 41, like multiply any number by 41 and you get an average idea of what the true figure is. Um, I did it for open theirs based on the VSAFE data. So 
VSafe, right, was this other app, this app that they created to track injuries. And lots of people for COVID, right? For COVID. But yeah. now it's not. Now it's for RSV and um, they stopped doing COVID. I forget. They, oh. they, they, they have morphed it into a new vaccine reporting system for RSV. Um, anyways, so uh, when they made this app and they created the system, like alternative reporting system, and in the documentation for that reporting system, it basically says uh, anybody with like X degree of injury should be transferred to VAERS to make a VAERS report. And only like, I don't, I don't remember the numbers now, but uh, basically in VAERS, you can look up and see which reports came from VSAFE. Okay. And so you can get a percentage, right? The number of VSAFE reports that are in VAERS, the number of VSAFE total reports that Aaron Siri got for um, ICANN. And you can put that together and get an underreporting factor, not for death, but for everything else, because VSAFE can't record deaths, right? Because it's a personal app. Right. So we came up with 31. Um, okay. Meaning that if you if we go to open VARES, yeah. the numbers you have there are specifically pulled from the VARES data. They're not multiplied by anything, right? Those are actual reports that VARES is saying they've received. Yes. And they've logged. Yeah. So you're saying that you can multiply that by 31 and you think that actually gives you closer to an accurate figure. I don't I don't know. I, I just think it's a conservative way of guessing. Um, okay. it, it's such a difficult problem, right? Because you're, 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 it's quicksand, quicksand on top of quicksand as an estimation. Um, the CDC could do this fairly easily, right. but of course right. they don't. The CDC also could be... So one of the things the CDC is charged with taking every report that comes into VAERS and figuring out which ones actually were caused by the vaccines and which ones weren't, right? Right. Well, so the question is, why do we get wonder and not the causal report? Where's the causal report? Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it seems like perhaps uh, they're hiding something. So then with the other thing that I guess that people need to consider too, Liz, is... You're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're saying, I think, that, you know, your conservative estimate, maybe you multiply it by 31. That's based on the injuries that we that are recognized as injuries. But there are also a whole lot of people out there, especially with the covid vaccines, but with others as well, that never put two and two together, much like you and your flu shot. Right. And what could have happened had you not found this functional medicine doctor with your daughter and the chickenpox shot. So the number really is a big, huge question mark. Yeah. Uh, I mean, personally, I think the number is big, huge. Um, But I don't have anything to hang my hat hat on for that. And um, yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, for sure. Really big problem. All right. So then... uh, we are running out of time, unfortunately. I think I could talk to you about this until Christmas. I this, As much as this is an infuriating topic, it's a fascinating topic as well. And it's certainly something that needs to be discussed. And I'm so grateful for you being willing to spend your time with me discussing it here on the show. Um, 
one quick question I want to ask, because I think people probably had the question when we were talking about your daughter. How's she doing now? She's doing great. She, uh, what does that mean? How great? She's going to college <laughs> in the fall. Awesome. And she, um, we had to move during COVID. We got sort of ousted from our town. And um, she, it took her about six months, but she did it. She's, you know, a new state, new high school. She did it. And um, she has, I guess, the only thing I would say is her immune system is still like a little bit wonky. Um, She had what looked like measles like two months ago. um, And she had had all her measles shots, right? She, Mm -hmm. She. you know, I didn't become anti-vaccine by not vaccinating. And right. um, so she had them. She and she got what appeared to be measles. Um, and then she developed hives to the measles oh, wow. um, or to whatever this full body red rashy looks just like measles, which is what the doctor okay. thought rash was um, for a week. And uh, and that was not a normal reaction, right? That was like, my daughter has like an idiosyncratic immune system reaction. Um, But, but overall she's healthy. She's happy. She has a boyfriend. She's in school. She doesn't take any medication. She, um, I don't know what to tell, you know, like we have to be a little careful about toxins. Mm -hmm. She um, has, uh, she's overly sensitive to some things, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, so her immune system, as I said, it's a little, it's n- not a hundred percent. Um, but it, it's functional. Um, yeah. and she's functional. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So it's possible to do it. It's not easy. Um, and it's not cheap. Yeah. Sadly. And I assume that she's still, probably eating a very different diet than the average diet uh, no supplements no, no that's not really? true right she's okay. a 17 year old girl <laughs> <laughs> and um sh- i tried for years <laughs> um like, let me tell you i tried um last year i basically just had to be like okay i'm done you know everything you i could possibly tell you now about nutrition your body your health how it affects your brain like how it affects your body, like everything. Now it's up to you. And she kind of went nuts. Um, She wants to be like everybody else. She wants to be able to eat what she wants to eat. And she um, had to learn the hard way, basically, that she can't always do that so well. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, she's doing okay with it. Like, it's not my ideal. But as a mom, she's now 18. Like, she's going to college. I can't control it. Right. So, um, so for a long time, yeah, her diet was very different, but it no longer is. Well, so that's, that brings an interesting question though, because, so you say that now she eats a little bit more typical, probably not as typical maybe as everyone else. No, no, it's it's very typical. typical. Okay. Okay. So that's important information. Is she still supplementing a lot? No, I can't get her to. (laughs) So then what, what I'm hearing then I think, and actually this is pretty hopeful is that a lot of these issues have, have likely been reversed. Like we're not dealing with the same set of issues anymore. That and is even correct. Though 
she's doing things that could exacerbate them. Right. I wouldn't say it's like 100% perfect, but I would say it's about 85 to 90%. See, that's incredible. Um, incredible. So, yeah, doing everything wrong, basically. At this point. (laughs) Yeah. But earlier on, when you had a little more control, she was a little girl, uh, things were a lot tighter with her diet, supplementation, all of those things, right? Yeah, it was a long journey. Along, we did GAPS diet for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, she was gluten free, dairy free, um, egg free. She does have an egg sensitivity, um, gluten, dairy, eggs, dyes, chemicals. Um, there was no soda in the house, there was no candy in the house, right, you know. Right. Um, yeah. It was, it was everything basically. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. So then th- th- I guess that, like I say, that's kind of good news because it indicates that, you know, what you have done with homeopathy, with natural medicine, with the diet changes and things that you made when she was in the heat of all of this battle, um, seems to have had lasting effects. Yeah, I think so. I think awesome. so. Yeah. And I anticipate, I mean, if, if knowing what I know and seeing what I've seen over all the years that I've helped people with their health that uh, she will, if she doesn't, we'll say, wise up a little bit, uh, she'll run into some roadblocks and some challenges uh, moving forward, which, as you said, maybe she'll have to learn the hard way and, and uh, you know, move through that. I, I mean, there's nothing else you can do at a certain right. point. <laughs> like, right. And I hated being that person, right, with my kids, and I didn't really have a choice. Um, yeah. But, you know, the choice was lifelong addiction to pharma at a substandard yeah. sort of life and or not i didn't really feel like i had a choice yeah um no well i i hope that people hear this story and have hope for themselves and their children who uh, are struggling with these types of severe issues i do do want to say one thing i i think i came off uh pretty harshly on antibiotics um i do want to say that there are children that have pandas that are helped by them at least in the short term. In the short term. And sometimes it's all you can do because you don't have the money to do something different. Um, And your health insurance covers one way to treat this. And so that's the way you treat it. And I have incredible sympathy for those people. Um, And uh, we live in an imperfect world. (laughs) <laughs> indeed. <laughs> indeed. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Liz, I, I appreciate you sharing your story. I know a lot of that's personal. Um, and I want to thank you for for myself and for the listeners that I know have used your resource of openbears.com for the value that it has brought to us during when we're really trying to understand what's actually going on. Uh, in the world of, of vaccination, but specifically the COVID vaccine during that time. It was such a valuable resource and still remains a valuable resource today. Unfortunately, I know so many people, uh, several of them that are close to me, uh, who have been uh, damaged by these COVID vaccines. Yeah. And th- we still have to get the word out there. We still have billboards in Utah driving down I-15, uh, encouraging uh, people to get boosters for their children. Terrible. And yeah. we've we've got to keep getting the word out there. So I appreciate what you're doing. You're a, a true warrior and to me a hero in this space. And I appreciate that very Thank much. Thank you so much.
Thank you. Absolutely. Is there anything else that you want to add before I let you go? Yeah, just one thing. I want to plug React 19. <laughs> oh, yes. Please, please. Uh, so React 19 is out there to help if you've been injured by the COVID vaccine. And um, actually, OpenVares is working on a joint project with them, which hasn't been released yet. And um, I would like to encourage people to make use of the resources at React 19. They're, they do a lot of really good work. They do. And I am personal friends with uh, Bree Dressen, who yeah. runs the show over there, and Joel Walscog. They've got a fantastic team of all volunteers. Um, almost everybody that does anything at React 19 is not only a volunteer, but also an injured person uh, working uh, hard to try and help their fellow injured. Uh, it is a community of incredible people. If you have questions about React 19, we'll link to their website in the show description, but you can also check out my interview that I did with Bree Dressen. Uh, we'll link that episode uh, here oh, on good. Vitality yeah. Radio, and we'll also link an episode I recently did on Dearly Discarded podcast uh, with Bree and Joel and what they're doing at React 19. This is all really, really valuable stuff. And if you do suspect an injury uh, from the COVID vaccines, I would highly recommend that you reach out just like what Liz said. Yeah. Liz, thank you so much again for your time, your energy. Uh, it's, it's so incredibly personal and it's one of your children. And uh, the, there, there's, I can't, I, I thankfully have not dealt with this myself. I cannot imagine uh, what that looks like and feels like. Uh, I can I can sympathize, but not empathize. I guess thankfully I haven't been through it. But as I become closer and closer to some incredible people who have been injured by these things, um, I just want to keep fighting the fight to get the information out there as much Me as too. we can. Thank you so much for your time and for your efforts. Uh, let's just keep fighting this battle. Thank you. And for those of you listening, thank you for listening through this. I know these episodes are maybe not the easiest ones to listen to. There's a lot of information here that can be pretty discouraging, uh, but it is information that we all need to know and be aware of. If you've got children and you are uh, wondering about you know, the vaccine schedule and all of this other stuff, I've done some other episodes that I think are really, really valuable on that. We'll link uh, those in the show description as well that will give you even more information on this topic. Topic. If you have questions, of course, on anything you hear on Vitality Radio, call us 801-292-6662. We'll be happy to assist you the best we can. And until next time, I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. <laughs>